You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a spiritual journey where we explore differing faiths by asking questions and engaging in a discussion with differing faith leaders. That way we can form a mosaic of answers to life's deeper questions, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is there life after death? These and similar questions we'll be exploring over the coming weeks. And we're very honoured today to be joined by Reverend Brendan Batcher from a bachelor from Unity Santa Fe. Welcome. Thank you. Glad how, to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. I, I, let me ask right from the very beginning. Um, Unity, tell, tell me us about Unity. What is Unity Santa Fe? What is the community that's known as Unity? Well, Unity was founded in the late 1800s, and it's a new thought religion. And I always ask people to please not confuse new thought with new age. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with new age, but new thought means thinking anew, thinking in a new way from old um, old thoughts that aren't supportive and nourishing and inspiring to thoughts that are positive and affirming, even in a very difficult situation. Unity was founded on prayer and healing. Uh, our co-founder, Myrtle Fillmore, had consumption, which back then uh, is what tuberculosis was called. She was given like a six-month prognosis for dying. And uh, she heard a speaker, a metaphysical speaker, say that we are children of God and we do not inherit disease. So she had always thought she inherited this disease. And it really was, uh, I guess, a mystical experience for her. And she really got it, or I like to say she grokked it, and really knew this was true, that the spirit of her did not inherit disease. Only her physical body inherited disease. So she began working with her body and doing some things that people would probably think is pretty strange, but she was talking to her body, and she apologized and asked its forgiveness for all the negative things she had ever said about it and how she'd called it weak and torpid was one of her words mm-hmm. and and began praising it because she knew that all of us respond to praise. So she figured there's intelligence in every cell and atom of the body. So she began praising it and calling it strong. And, and you know, it wasn't a matter of her just saying words. She really knew this was true. And it took about two years, but she was totally healed and lived another 40 years. So that's how it was founded. And it was very much based on prayer, going into the silence. And they formed something called Silent Unity, which is a 24-hour prayer line. 1-800-NOW-PRAY. It's there 24 hours a day for us and was the first prayer ministry of its kind ever. So it's been used as a model by other traditions. This is it's quite fascinating. The first thing that strikes me when you said there's intelligence in every cell and part of our body, what, what does that mean exactly, that every atom is sentient, every finger thinks? What, what does that mean? <laughs> I like that, every finger thinks. Um, no, I just think it, it has, like just like a worm, that was the example that Myrtle Fillmore used, a worm has worm intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, every part of our body has the intelligence, I guess, of that part of the body, but that the intelligence is at the cellular level, and it knows what to do. I mean, it it knows um, how to 
to like just like a tree knows how to be a tree so if she's talking to it because it has intelligence mm -hmm. that's a different kind of intelligence to you and i having intelligence and being able to hear and respond um that's more an intelligence of what cells do mm -hmm. so are, are you saying that for her and possibly for you the body has more can be receptive in a different way yes and i think the cellular biologists uh have proven that you know um what is that uh, candace pert who says uh, your body is your subconscious mind okay and so right. we have all this information that's going out you know and the body's just believing it accepting it and whatever and i really think that prayer and i know that's a question you may ask later on prayer doesn't change divinity or whatever prayer changes us mm -hmm. so i think her affirmations um while i do believe that as she affirmed this truth that her feeling nature really communicated more than the words did but i think the words helped her intellect to really really get that this is true so when you say words change us and in hebrew prayer in oh, sorry prayer changes mm -hmm. when when in hebrew uh, to praise lehit palel, which means to judge oneself. So prayer mm -hmm. is a reflexive activity. I, but are you saying that prayer can literally change, your own prayer can change your physical state? Yes. Like, for example, if I'm feeling um, anxiety about something, then if I can stop and just turn within, acknowledge that anxiety, not do a spiritual bypass, but acknowledge I'm feeling that, and then go to that... Um, one presence at one power and just talk to it or affirm the truth that uh, even though I'm feeling anxious right now, the Christ of me or the Buddha of me or the Jehovah of me is not feeling any of those things. And to focus myself on that presence, that power that is really infinite love, and then I feel better. You know, not because somebody's done something, because right. I have taken the time to. So then is it possible, how far does that go? You mentioned that she had tuberculosis mm -hmm. consumption uh, and was healed right. essentially through her own prayer. Anxiety Not is by her, though. She never took credit for it. Okay. She always said, uh, God heals. I don't. Right. Okay. God heals. But by aligning ourselves with that presence, that power, we get into the flow of grace or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's always there, but we get ourselves down here in the muck. And so we need to lift our consciousness up to that level of truth or of spirit. So then is it possible... I mean, anxiety is one thing. I, mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm feeling anxious, I can go into a room and meditate and be calm and say, right. "Okay, calm down, Rabbi Neil." That's different to, God forbid, cancer or right. something like that. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that that prayer can access God's grace to the point where God will cure you, a person of a terrible disease? Yeah. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say God will because I don't think God okay. makes decisions that way. But I do believe that when we align ourselves with truth, and I wish I could tell you exactly how to do it and that I've been successful 100% of the time. But that, you know, again, it, it's like tapping into the spirit of us instead of the appearance of us, you know, the body, and, and to allow that spirit 
to permeate every cell and atom. I mean, it does permeate every cell and atom, but to give it free flow. Uh, the Fillmore's used to talk about congestion, mm-hmm. and it's basically blockages. When I'm, if I don't breathe fully, you know, if there's if there's some negative thoughts or beliefs I have that block um, the free flow through my body, then that's congestion. And so I'm blocking that healing. So then let's say somebody does pray sincerely. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody elevates themselves in a way that transcends their normal plane of existence from mm-hmm. the muck, as, as right. you said. And, but they aren't physically healed. What's happening there? Well, I think healing can happen on a physical level, um, emotional level, and a um, uh, spiritual level. And so, for instance, when my mother was going through the dying process, there was a huge healing, but her body died. So I don't think physical healing is um, the, the only way to be healed. I've heard of many people um, just becoming uh, so at peace with what is Mm -hmm. that they then are able to transition or make their uh, dying process much more peaceful and stuff. So I don't think uh, physical healing – in fact, for many years, uh, I've been the minister at Unity Santa Fe for 23 years in December, and – I used to be concerned about why aren't we seeing the physical healings Mm -hmm. that they demonstrated so often back then. And for me at that time, and and I'm still believing it to a certain extent, there was so much a need for emotional healing. And I've seen a lot of emotional healing. Um, When I was in therapy uh, going through a divorce many years ago, my therapist wasn't at all what he would consider spiritual. And uh, on our, I remember our last session, and he said that what I had taught him was how psychology and spirituality could really work together well. Despite that, though, with the, with the emotional healing and the spiritual healing, sometimes, you know, God forbid, there's a young person who's contracted a terrible disease. Mm-hmm. More than anything else, they need physical healing. Right. So is it enough to be able to say, well, you're not going to get that physical healing, but at least you'll be okay with dying at a young age. You'll, yeah. you'll come to peace with that. Yeah. I would never say that no, but, but, <laughs> to someone going through a difficult challenge. Um, I don't think any of us can ever know what our soul you know, I, be- I basically believe we had an agenda when we came in here. Our soul had some kind of purpose best known to the universe, but uh, not – and that we immediately forget it as soon as we <laughs> take right. that first breath. And so I am comforted and uh, I feel a lot of um, peace around the fact that whatever's in my life, whether it's a physical ailment, I've got some physical challenges right now going on with my hands – and whether it's a physical challenge or an emotional challenge or somebody's hurt me or betrayed me or whatever it is, if I can just remember, you know, I signed up for this. <laughs> Somehow I signed up for this, and I'm going to find the blessing in it like Jacob at Javik Fork. You know, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. That, and, and that to me is what unity has taught me. Instead of just accepting that, oh, woe is me, this is lot, or, uh, this is my lot, or if I just knew how to pray and how to say the right words and be the best person, then some God out there would uh, maybe decide that to give me a break. Right, right. You know, I just we really just in unity did not believe that uh, God 
uh, has what we want, but that rather that God is what we want. Nice. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this notion that you say, and let me just ask this and we'll, we'll take an answer before we take a break. Um, the, the idea that we have an agenda and that we forget it as we take our first breath is very similar to a Jewish mystical concept that mm. uh, in the womb, the baby knows everything that there is to know. And as it is born, uh, an angel comes and touches it on the right. frenulum and it forgets everything. And so it spends its life trying to relearn that which it once knew, which I think is a lovely idea. But this is different. The idea that we all have an agenda. How, my question is, how do we find out what that agenda is other than passively saying whatever happens to me go well that was the plan yeah um i don't know how we find out i think if any way any knowing that i'm going to receive is going to be through prayer and meditation and you know the the real key that unity teaches is more of a mystical um process where we go into the silence and I always like to remind people that if you know you're in the silence, you're not in the silence. Because in the silence, there is nothingness. And we know we've been in the silence when we come out of it. And, and that that is really um, so much where the healing takes place. And I just don't get to tell God, you know, do this. I do pray and I'll say, uh, God, I think I want this. Yet not my will, thy will be done. Um, because I've made I've gotten too many prayers answered <laughs> that I think God said, okay, she thinks she wants it, I'll let her, <laughs> okay. if there were an outer God out there talking. So. Soul Searching uh, with Rabbi Neil Amswich, and my guest today is Reverend Brendalyn Batchelor from Unity Santa Fe. I, I've, we've discussed prayer so far and, and our agenda, um, whether or not our soul has some kind of agenda or purpose and how we determine that. I was, I was very intrigued moving away from that to um, some of the things that I've read about Unity from your website in Santa Fe and from the, the larger Unity website. And I really want to look at this one quotation, which has so much in it. It says, in all the world's religions are seeds of truth with a capital T. Different religions are like spokes on a wheel with the hub being God. They may be set apart by a variance of beliefs, styles and approaches, but they are all seeking the one God at the hub of all life. Just as the spokes on the wheel come closer to each other as they near the hub, so too, as each path comes closer to God, it comes closer to all other paths. And I found this fascinating, and I could probably ask you questions for two hours on this. But let me, let me start <laughs> I'll come with, back next yeah, week. <laughs> let me start with, how do we determine, you say, in all the world's religions are seeds of truth. Mm -hmm. How do we determine what the seeds of truth are for each religion? Because there are so many different variant um, mm -hmm. aspects um, right. of different religious traditions. Mm -hmm. Do we just say, love your neighbor, and that's it? Or... Or are there specific seeds of truth um, that we can that we can pull out from each religion? Well, I think Charles Fillmore, our co-founder, um, Myrtle's husband, Charles, was a businessman. So he tried to intellectually understand this. And he studied all religions and all philosophies. And he found they had a lot in common. And that's why we're called unity. Because we believe, you know, there's a perennial philosophy, Aldous Huxley, I believe, mm -hmm. coined that term. And and so that's what we mean by the seeds of truth. Now, to give you a laundry list of them off the top of my head, I, I couldn't necessarily do. But I think that idea that we, uh, we all believe there's some power greater than us would be, uh, you know, um, a, a seed of truth. Mm -hmm. um, but this idea that as we come towards the hub – to me, the hub is the mystical experience. And in, in mysticism, there's no difference in religions. You know, it's only in our re 
Right. Yeah, I mean, whether you have a Christian mystic, a Hindu mystic, a Muslim, whatever, it's to know God and to know that oneness with God. So that's why I think as we get, you know, and the truth, that's the truth. The truth is knowing God or that there is one God? I think that they're both knowing God. Knowing God is how I experience the truth beyond the intellect. But that um, most, I believe all religions think there is one God. Uh, or, you know, well, it, it, see, the, for me, that's very interesting because even in Judaism, from my own faith tradition, many people uh, believe in a supernatural conception of right. God, but some people in a transnatural, um, some people in a humanistic understanding mm-hmm. of Judaism, and that um, I don't know if God is. Uh, you know, evo- Judaism has been described as an evolving religious civilization. So it it, it does obviously contain that mm-hmm. uh, element of divinity, but not to all Jews. And I'm I'm sure to different people of differing faiths, maybe more about the approach to action as opposed to the struggle with God. So yours is very much a focus on divinity, isn't it? Yes, and, and we do not be- we believe God is transcendent and imminent, and that we are indeed expressions of God. I am God in expression. I am not uh, and, and you are God in expression, and so is that tree out there, and all everything is an expression of the one, and that we are you know, uh, we're not like a raisin in a bun, right. uh, as Eric Butterworth says, but we are rather like a drop in the ocean or a wave. In, a wave in the ocean is actually even a better uh, example that, you know, By we think we're separate. I'm this size. wave. Look at me. But actually, we're just part of, of the allness of God. See, this, this is interesting for me. If, if we are all expressions of God, mm-hmm. and I remember reading somewhere on the website, you said the Unity Santa Fe teaches that we are all inherently good. Yes. Is that true? Everyone is inherently good? Because, I mean, I've met troublesome people, but I have had, unfortunately, encounters with truly evil people. Right. So is that evil an expression of God as well? Well, on some level, yes, it's because we were given free will. And that's where, you know, all the problems <laughs> come right. up with, that we have this free will. And and Unity believes that the greatest sin, if you will, and we think of sin as the English uh, archery term, missing the mark, mm-hmm. that we miss the mark of our wholeness or our perfection uh, when we turn away from God. And just whether it's the prodigal son or whatever, you know, it, it, as soon as we turn around, the forgiveness, you know, it everything uh, starts falling back into place. But, you know, uh, if you look at Hitler or any of these um, you know, truly terrible human beings, you know, that's their, it's their personality. I mean, his upbringing was horrific and all that stuff. It was, it's not the essence of who he is, but he's totally lost sight of it, of his but, inherent goodness. But there are people who are fundamentally evil within, mm-hmm. not who've made choices, but who are psychotic or right. psychopathic and, and so on, who, who will do truly terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, can we not say that God, you know, according to Isaiah, God who creates evil as well as good, mm-hmm. um, and that's not creating a person with a possibility to do evil, but God who creates evil mm-hmm. and says this is part of the world. Right. So this is why I'm, I'm challenged by the right. idea that we're all inherently good. Yeah, I like to say we're all inherently good regardless of how we're acting and that there are no evil babies. But I've read The Bad Seed <laughs> by right. Scott Peck, and it's very compelling. Right. And so I'm always, you know, I'm always um, 
try to keep my mind totally open uh, because I remember one time I was challenged by a spiritual director I had, and she said, well, if unity believes that we don't believe there's evil as a separate power. Right. You know, we believe there's only one power, and evil happens when we turn away from that. And um, she said, but couldn't there be, um, you know, don't you agree that when evil happens, there's a darkness that happens, a dark energy? And I said, yes. And she said, and maybe there could be a collective dark energy. And I said, wow, you're really challenging my <laughs> theology. But I, as, yes, and then I realized later, well, Charles Fillmore said that. He, he said that he called it race consciousness. And he's talking about the human race, mm, okay. the, hum, the co- collective consciousness, if you will. And certainly there's a lot of evil in collective consciousness, mm. and we can be influenced by it. That's why we want to go to source. <laughs> and yeah, and what to do about these people who are, like you said, psychotic or uh, really born with some kind of mental um, pathology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm intrigued um, in our few minutes that we have left. The, the idea of unity and everyone, as we get close, we all, um, we all, we all share certain similarities in our mm-hmm. religious beliefs. Stands for me in direct contrast with the Tower of Babel narrative, mm-hmm. where God openly says, as you are unified, you actually team up against me. You do these terrible things. Your designs are not good. And so therefore, I will come in and intervene and deliberately make you diverse, Mm -hmm. um, deliberately give you different languages and heading towards different cultures and so on. So the, the Hebrew Bible, at least early on, embraces diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, How does unity as a movement, uh, as a group, how do you address diversity, particularly in light of that biblical story? Well, first of all, we don't proselytize, and we believe everybody's exactly where they need to be, whether they're in some religion or no religion, that it's not our job to try to take away anyone's God or their beliefs, but that simply that we, we offer what over the years, you know, what Charles Fillmore discerned and beyond that, because he said the real truth doesn't come from the books, from the, he said back then, tapes, but yeah. that, you know, it comes from that source within us when, we, as we go into meditation, as we, whatever truth is revealed to us, and it's being continuously revealed. So anybody that says, I've got the truth, you know, I wouldn't listen to them. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, yes, diversity is important. Um, and not just in terms of the diversity we think of in terms of um, um, our, our differences, race, religion, mm-hmm. creed, and all that. But, yeah, especially that people have their own way of believing, and there's no wrong way to believe. If it works for you, we celebrate it. If it's not working for you, and that's why a lot of people that have come to unity because their religion of origin wasn't working for them. Mm-hmm. And so, but we never suggest people leave their. We say take what we've got, and if it works for you, if it helps you live your life better, so be it. So, what if uh, uh, one of the things that the larger Unity website spoke about said that Unity is a positive alternative to negative religion? Yeah. So that I, does seem to be quite judgmental. I, it? I think it is too. That's why I asked you where that came from. Because if it was <laughs> on my website, I was going to change it. Um, well, I think it's to a positive alternative to um, 
religions that people have experienced in a negative way. Right. Uh, I grew up in a very uh, fundamentalist Christian uh, faith, and I was told I was a bad person. I was told I was going to burn in hell if I danced, if I um, played cards, if I, uh, you know, I mean, right. to me, that's pretty negative. <laughs> it works for my, I have relatives that are you know, it's a very some a religion that really works for them. But the first time I walked into a Unity Church on the slopes of Diamond Head in Hawaii, I there was a part of me that knew everything they were saying was true, even though I'd never heard it before. And one of those things was that I was good. Mm-hmm. I had never heard that before, and I was intrigued by it. I don't think I believed it, but there was something in me that said yes. So I I think that's what it's being. Um, and I don't think we're out to turn what I would call a negative religion. I'm sure they would call my religion negative. Um, into, to, I'm not here to change them. So then, yeah. at the, at, at, in summary, if you are embracing everyone's different religious viewpoints, which can be extremely diverse mm-hmm. um, and can be totally contradictory, in fact, mm-hmm. um, that somebody could come to a unity gathering and believe, let's say, in the Trinity, and another right. person could come and say, I don't believe in the Trinity. Exactly. Uh, or somebody can say, I believe God can become incarnate, and somebody says, I don't believe God can become incarnate. What at the end of the day, what does unity stand for other than we'll put people in a room and say that's all okay? What, what's the core? Well, we, our core, we have five core teachings. And, but again, we're sort of like AA. You know, take what works for you and leave the rest. So I'm not going to tell you your first day there. I'm going to teach you what unity teaches. We teach about the metaphysical trinity, for example, you know. And so – but – I'm not going to force it down your throat. You don't have to agree with what unity teaches in order to be a member of our congregation, for example. But we want you to know what unity teaches, but what you do with it, you know, really is your choice. Interesting. Thank yes. you. And we actually call uh, ourselves at Unity Santa Fe an interspiritual community. And to me, um, Brother Wayne Teasdale is the one that coined that term. And And what it's about is that we may have different spiritual beliefs and practices, but unity is a community where they're all honored, and we can come together, and maybe I can learn something. You know, I've been trying to do Shabbat for years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. See, and that for me is interesting because um, how much should Shabbat be for Jews and how much should Easter be for Christians? And if we're coming right. together, should we be celebrating each other's faith traditions or should we be saying, that's great that you do that, but I don't because that's not mine. Um, so that's quite a, a challenge, isn't right. it, I think? Yeah, well, I think if we were all really one, <laughs> we would be celebrating all these different ways, you know, that, that we could, could do it all. But would that, would that be authentic? If we were able to do that? Well, I mean, I would like to have it. A, a lot of unity churches have Seder, for example. And I would like to, you know, I, to offer it so that people can know. And I've had, you know, in fact, I'd love to have you come speak some Sunday because it's really, I think it's just really healthy for people to understand. One year I had um, um, someone come and talk about Hanukkah, for example, right. during the Christmas season. Lovely. It's 
I mean, this has been fascinating for me to to hear this and to to learn about unity and to and to learn from you in particular. So I, I really want to thank you. Thanks to Reverend Brendan Bachelor uh, from Unity Santa Fe um, for your profound answers to today's questions. And we've just started a conversation, I think. Um, so I hope that you might return another time and to share more of your thoughts. Um, so thank you. Well, I'd be delighted, and it's been a real joy. Thanks. Oh, you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until next time, keep searching. <laughs>